Um, today's scripture reading comes from Matthew 7, 13 to 29. Word of God reads, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. A grape gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruit. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears those words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house, that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Thank you, Grace, for uh, praying for us and for reading out the passage for today. Uh, so I want to start off by reading something, and uh, you might recognize it. This is what it is. Two roads uh, diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both, and be one traveller, long I stood, and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other, as just as fair, and having perhaps a better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for the passing there, had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh. Somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood, and I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. This is a poem called uh, The Road Not Taken, by the late uh, American poet Robert Frost. And many of you, uh, like me, probably had to study it for English class in high school. But it actually perfectly captures what we have uh, here in today's passage at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. It's time to wrap it up now, right? Jesus has you know, been quite extensive uh, and he's at the very end of his sermon and he's not giving us any new information. But as we come to a fork in the road of sorts, he's wanting us to make a decision about everything that he said, a choice. How will you respond? And I'm wondering, you know, even as Grace read that passage, did you catch the intensity of Jesus' words? Right? His warnings of destruction 
ferocious wolves, right? Fire and evil. You can really sense the urgency. And like any good preacher, he gets to the end of his sermon and he gets serious about everything that he said. And it's, it's not enough for, for you and I to just sit here through the sermon series, you know, be a little inspired. But Jesus calls for us to decide, right? As his words disrupt the trajectory of our lives and we come to this fork in the road. Jesus wants us to make a choice because he wants us to flourish. And not just by being very good at keeping all the rules, but through a deeper righteousness that comes from a new heart. And the way to do that is by taking a road. It's not an easy road to take. It's actually a really hard road to take at times. But Jesus does promise us that it is the road that leads to life. As we come to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus calls us to think deeply about his words, to think seriously about everything that he said, and to decide. So that's what we're called to do. That's where we're at today, at this fork in the road. As we get there, Jesus gives to us three serious realities for us to think about seriously and to make a decision on. The first one, the first serious reality is that there are only two choices in life, only two choices. That's what he makes clear to us uh, as he gets to the end of his Sermon on the Mount. Only two choices. So read verses 13 to 14 with me. And to buy the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it a few. So Jesus is saying here that there's only two kinds of roads and everybody on the planet, every single person on the planet is on one of them. Right? One road is narrow, it's hard, but it leads to life. The other road is broad. It looks attractive, it's easy, but it leads to destruction. And um, I wonder if you've ever had the experience of you know, driving somewhere for the first time. You take out your smartphone or you know, maybe you have one in your car, a GPS, open up Google Maps, and you punch in the destination and there's multiple routes that you could take, but you go for the shortest route, right? Only to end up winding around tiny streets and getting a little lost maybe and trying to make that 10-minute ETA, but it balloons out to you know, 15 minutes. It turns out it would have just been better to take uh, that slightly longer ETA route from the start. Or if you're you know, at Coles or Woolies and you're finishing, finishing up with your grocery shopping and you go to the, the checkout area, you scan the lines and you pick the one that looks like it's going to go the fastest. Only to find that the person in front of you has 35 individual items and you made a mistake. See, what looks good initially can often turn out wrong, can't it? What looks like the broad and the easy path can turn out to be the destructive one. That's really what Jesus is trying to say here. There's a road that looks really impressive. There's a road that the world celebrates, 
with its wide gates, seems like it's the better path. It's a road that's paved with self-gain, self-improvement, but it's a road that ultimately leads to exhaustion as you chase treasures on earth. It's a road that leads to a double life that you can't resolve where you have to be like one kind of person with this group of friends and another person here in this other group. It's a road that ultimately leads to destruction. The other road seems narrow. It seems difficult and it's hard. It's a road marked with self-giving and meekness, humility. It's a road that's sometimes marked with suffering and persecution, but it leads to life. This road leads to life. It leads to true flourishing as men and women in this world. It leads to us becoming whole, good on the inside as well as the outside different in our devotional life, different in our attitudes to the world, different in our relationships with each other. It leads to life. So Jesus is getting serious with us. There are only two kinds of roads and everybody on the planet, everybody is on one of them, including you and me. And so the necessary response, the choice to this first reality is to answer the question, am I on the right path? Am I on the right road? Is the trajectory of my life, is that leading to death and destruction? Or is it leading to life? And if we're not on the right path, Jesus and I, with his words, would urge you today, Stay on the course. Stay on the course because the, the narrow path, it, it may seem hard, it may seem difficult, but it is the path that leads to life. So that's the first serious reality. There's only two paths. Everybody is on one. The second is that the fruit is evident, right? The fruit is evident. So in verses 15 to 23, Jesus talks about how one tree bears good fruit and one tree bears bad fruit. But Jesus also, he, he takes a moment to specifically talk about false prophets. And this is a topic that is actually really popular uh, in our day and age. You know, people love to talk about this topic. People write blogs about this topic. You know, that person's a false prophet. That church is a cult. And there's plenty of examples in scripture where false teachers are called out by name, right? So for example, Paul tells Timothy, you know, Hymenaeus and Alexander, they're false teachers. They're shipwrecking people's faith. You've got to stop their teaching. So th there are times where we should call out false teachers by name. There are times where we should make a sober and unhypocritical judgment like we talked about last week. But Jesus doesn't specifically name anyone here because I don't think that's his main concern here. Right, to call out anyone specifically. I, his concern here, I think, is to prepare us to discern for ourselves and decide who is a false prophet or not. And this is really how you do it. It's very simple. You will spot them by their eventual fruits. Not by first appearance, 
right? But by the eventual fruit that comes out of their life and ministry. That's what it says uh, in verses 16 to 17. Uh, so if you read that, uh, read that with me, you'll recognize them by their fruits. A, gra- a grape gathered from thorn brushes or figs from th- uh, a grape gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. Yeah, so perhaps over time, you'll notice uh, this teacher, I've never actually seen them repent or say sorry for sin. Perhaps you'll notice that uh, they won't be meek. Uh, they won't be peacemakers. If you think about the Beatitudes, they're always dividing and they're divisive. Perhaps you'll notice that they're pretty unsalty, that they're as indistinct as everyone else in the world. They look and, and act really just exactly the same as the world around us. Perhaps a false teacher will be a hypocrite, right? An actor. That's what that word means in, in the original Greek. Someone who looks godly on the outside, but actually on the inside has deep hidden sin. And Jesus uh, is reminding us, don't go by first appearances. Look for the eventual fruit. Uh, this char- charismatic, polished exterior, like great ministry, best-selling books might hide abusive leadership, might hide greedy financial practices. They might hide adulterous relationships. And this is a hard passage. It's, it's honestly really hard for me to even preach this. But I, I really sincerely hope that you would understand that I, I do this in love because there are wolves out there. And it's also hard because this applies to me too. As a pastor, I'm asking that you would watch my life. I'm asking that you would watch the fruit of my life, that it's consistent with what I'm preaching to you today, that it's consistent with what I'm saying. The Bible says, and I'm asking that you never, ever let me get away with it being otherwise. I'm asking that you would tell me off in love if necessary. But I do want to say that this is a hard passage for all of us. In verses 21 to 23, Jesus says something pretty terrifying as he talks about someone who was standing before him at the gates of heaven. And he says that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So the bottom line is this, whether you're a pastor or you're just a member, the fruit of your life will be evident. Whoever you are, either you're someone who has repented of your sins and you're trusting in Christ and he's changed your heart and you're producing good fruit, right? You're producing love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness and you know the, the, the other fruit of the spirit, or you're still trusting in yourself and you're rejecting Christ. And you're producing fruit that is the opposite of all those things. It's one or the other. And so the necessary response to the second, the second serious reality is take a long, hard look at your life. But not just your life. Take a long, hard look at the kind of fruit you're producing. Right? In your character, in your personal relationships, in your integrity, in your practices. Ask trusted brothers and sisters who can speak into your life lovingly. What fruit are you producing? And what is that evidence about who you are and who you're becoming? Thirdly and finally, uh, the last serious reality that Jesus brings before us is that the consequences are eternal. Right? The consequences are eternal. They're final. And that means that this is not a game. Following Jesus is not a joke. It's not a secondary obligation that you can just get to later or when you have time for. Nothing else in our lives matters as much as this. Nothing else in our lives is on par with this. The consequences are eternal. Verses 24 to 27, Jesus is talking about two kinds of houses that uh, we can build. Now, the first is a house that's built on, uh, built on a rock. And uh, you know what? I'll just read verses 24 to 27 for us. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Can you hear what Jesus is saying here to you and to me today? We must hear Jesus, when he says that there is a storm coming, and he's not talking about here what we so often identify as the storms of life, right? Those storms are very real. Uh, they're very painful, right? losing a loved one, a divorce, like relational breaks, mental health issues, different kinds of suffering that we're going through. And they're painful, those storms of life. And the Bible certainly addresses those storms. But here Jesus is talking about a final devastating storm of God's future judgment. It's got eternal consequences. And it may be tonight or 10,000 years from now. But you can bank on this. It will come. And Jesus says it doesn't matter how we've reinforced our houses. It doesn't matter how you fixed it up. Or it doesn't matter what other people think of your house. Unless that house is founded upon the rock, that is Jesus. The rock that will never move. 
If you try to build your life on anything else, there will be a spectacular fall. You know, this, uh, this apartment that I'm preaching from, uh, it's an apartment that Heidi and I moved into in Wentworth Point not too long ago. And before we moved in here, we were told that there were some issues with uh, the concrete that uh, goes through the entire skeleton and, and outside of the building. Uh, sections of it have started to expand and, and, and crack. Uh, it's, it's called concrete cancer. Thankfully, we wouldn't um, have to be responsible for fixing it, uh, fixing it up because it's a massive job. It's an expensive job. Uh, and before we moved in, the owners corporation, they uh, ended up uh, suing the original builders for money to repair it. And, and they won, thankfully. So our repair works have started and they're ongoing. Obviously, right now, they're not happening. But it's going to be a multi-year job. Uh, it's going to be an important job gonna be something that we're glad we didn't have to foot the bill for and really um you know not just in an apartment but if you ask any homeowner they'll tell you the foundation is actually the part that you can't see right but it, it matters the most that's the most costly to fix and no one sees your heart no one sees your heart but it is the most essential part of you to be whole and to be righteous, to have life. No one sees your day-to-day -day obedience in following Jesus in a difficult world. All the more now when we're in lockdown, but that is the part that turns, that molds and shapes who you're becoming. See, Jesus, his final serious call upon us, friends, it's this. You've heard my words. What will you build your life on? You have to decide what is going to be your foundation. You can build your house on the rock. You can place yourself totally and completely in him. You can rest your whole life on him. Or you can hear these words of Jesus and you can just continue to build your house on the sand. You can ultimately place your life in your own hands. You can rest your life upon your own abilities and your own accomplishments. It's one or the other. It's binary. There is no halfway mark. You're not deciding to build a bit of your house on the rock and a bit of it, you know, when you feel like you can on this hand. It's one or the other. There is no halfway point. You're either building your life on the rock or on the sand. And there is a storm that is coming. You can bet on it. That's why this passage ends by saying in verse 28. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. But he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. And, you know, it's interesting. Why, why was the crowd astonished here? And definitely, I think it is because Jesus was speaking with wisdom, right, with insight. That's definitely, you know, 
has to have been the case, but I don't think that's the reason why they were astonished. As we read here in this passage, it says that the crowds were astonished at his teaching for he was teaching them as one who had authority. They were astonished because of his authority. See, when Jesus speaks, he speaks with authority. He speaks with a weight that not myself or any other teacher in this world will ever be able to emulate. He speaks as God. There is an undeniable authority to his words. It cannot be ignored. The Lord of creation, the Lord of everything, the Lord of our church, the Lord of you and I speaks to us today. Can you hear the weight and the authority of his words? Today, if you hear him, do not harden your heart. Don't ignore his voice. Today, if you hear him, there are specific areas of your life, of my life, that we are stubbornly trying to hold on to, to build our house upon the foundation of sand. Today, if you hear him, hear that he is calling you to build your house upon the rock that is eternal and so secure. He's calling you into life and life to the full. He's calling you into flourishing as men and women of this world. His demands are not easy. His demands are hard, but they are good. Today, he calls you to make a decision. What will you decide to build the foundation of your life upon? What will you cleave and leave behind from your own life? Those things that you are not wanting to let go. To answer this call definitively today. There's no halfway point. There's no halfway mark. It's one or the other. And Jesus is asking us to decide how he answered this call today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you uh, for this sobering passage today as we get to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Lord, you challenge us, you confront us uh, with this fork in the road remind us that if we have decided to follow Jesus as a response to being chosen in him, if that's our reality, then there is no one foot in, one foot out. There's no dilly-dallying between the narrow road and the broad road. There's no building part of our lives upon Christ and part of our lives upon the things that we want to build it on. 
It's one or the other. And this word is confronting. But Lord, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you take this word from confrontation and challenge to conviction. Lord, remind us that if we're on the wrong path, that we can turn around, we can come to you in repentance, and we can get on the right path. We've been building our house on the wrong foundation. We can come to you in repentance, we can tear it all down, and build it upon the only rock that will never move. Lord, help us to get to that place. Convict our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. Bring us to repentance and faith. Lord, we want to be whole people. We want life and not death. Lead us to the abundant, flourishing life that you've promised us as citizens of the kingdom. Give us a hunger and a thirst for this life. Help us get there. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.